Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. It's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I traveled out to California this week and they have this water restriction. They're about a year away from having no fresh water in California. It's a drought. And so they ask you in your rooms, they ask you if you would take one shower a day, you know, just like use less water. And they want you to do the, the U.S. Marine Corps thing, you know, get wet, lather up, turn, turn the water off, lather up, then turn the water back on. They're like, you can do that. That works. I'm like, I don't do that in Wisconsin. I don't know how to take a shower like that, you know. So they're like wanting you to conserve water. But the strange thing to me is you're sitting there in a drought, but there's the ocean. Yeah, yeah. So much water, but you can't process that for drinking, you know. And, and some of us are like that at times. We, we, we have droughts in places in our lives. And there is this ocean of God that's just waiting on us. And it's just right there within our reach. If we would only learn how to process what he's given us. Only learn how to get on our knees and pray our way into the blessings of God. So I, I have a... My sermon started, you just don't know it. <laughs> I have something here, and you know, God gives us gifts, right? Amen? He gives us gifts. And the interesting thing about God is even though he gives us a gift, we have to take it, right? He gives us the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you need to receive it, right? So this this $10 bill right here, that belongs, that's a gift. That belongs to Josiah. Okay? That's, that's a gift. That's, that's Josiah's $10 bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Josiah. That, that's your $10 bill. Do you want that $10 bill, Josiah? Do you, I've already given it to you. See, but th- what you have to do is you have to get up and you have to come get it. Are you brave enough? Yeah, yeah, go get it, go get it. You see what he did? That's like God. Thank you for letting me use you without you even knowing it. So this, this right here, this belongs to Natalia. Right here, this, this right here, this is a gift that belongs to Natalia. That's a gift from God. Is she in this room? No, she left. I guess it's going to sit there for a long time. I tell you what, I'm going to re, re-gift. That belongs to Rolando. That's, that's a gift from God to Rolando. See, we're getting good. People, I got to get a cheaper illustration. I'm going to go broke. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? God gives us so many things. It's like an ocean out there. But we have to go get it. And, and that's what I'm after today. You have a very, very precious and powerful inheritance of God. He's given it to you. But sometimes you have to take it. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That seems like a negative verse, doesn't it? Like, 
like we're stealing things out of heaven. But no, it's not. If you read the context of the scripture, it's saying that they take because they know God's good. They know God's will. God wants you to be happy, whole. Well, he wants you to be whole. He wants you to be complete. He wants you to be perfect. Not always happy. I misspoke. He'll put you in positions that don't make you happy, but build your character. Amen? Because he wants you to have strength and joy in the Spirit of God. So sometimes he puts you in places and things where if you understand his character, that he always wants to bless you, then you will pray and take things by force. I want my healing because he took stripes for my healing. I want to be whole because he was broken so I could be whole. And how would I not understand that to mean that I can take things by force from the kingdom of heaven and bring them by faith into our kingdom? I can do it by force because I know if he's already purchased it, then it's mine. If he's already given the gift, then it's mine. Why am I living without it? It's because I haven't taken it by force. I haven't got enough passion. I haven't got enough desire in me to literally set everything else aside and say, I want everything God has given me that I haven't received yet. Is any receivers here today? Have you learned how to receive from God by taking by force what he wants to give you already it's a blessing so we have a great inheritance I want to start today if you would stand with me by reading from Ephesians 1 verse 11 through 14 chapter 1 verse 11 through 14 thank you for those that prayed for me while traveling I had a wonderful time uh, not necessarily working. That's the curse of man. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> to work by the sweat of your brow, you make a living. How many do that? Amen. You know what I'm talking about? Or the stress of your brow, whatever it is. If you, if you sit at a keyboard most of the day. But we have to do this because, you know what? Um, it's right and it's good. So, thank you for praying for me while I travel. Ephesians 1, verse 11 says this, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Everyone say he counseled his own will. Amen. That's, that means sometimes God talks to himself. Have you ever talked to yourself? As long as you get the right answers, right? Hey, you get it naturally. God talks to himself, Brother Maurice. So God speaks to himself, but he always has the right answer. God counseled himself counseled after his own will that we should be to the praise everyone say praise of his glory that's an awesome statement that we us you and me the ones that weren't supposed to be invited to the party should be to his praise amen amen that's so good so predestined in whom also i'm jumping down let me find myself again should be to his praise, to, to his glory. Who first trusted? How many have trusted in Christ? Who first trusted in Christ? In whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. How many know the gospel of salvation? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In whom also after ye believed, 
ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Something took place after you believed. The Holy Ghost sealed you. Amen. That's awesome. And the seal is a very important thing. Finishing in verse 14 together. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Unto the praise of His glory. Unto the redemption of the purchased possession. What was purchased? You and I. There's a redemption coming one day. It's not, it's, it's begun in us, but one day it will be fully fulfilled unto the praise of his glory. And everyone for all ages will praise him, his glory. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Jesus, as I speak about inheritance in you, I ask you to remind us that no matter what our pedigree is, no matter what our background is, no matter where we came from or how you found us, really, we thought we were searching for you, but you found us. No matter where we come from, Jesus, you are the name that's put on our life. You are the seal through the Spirit that has, has sealed us and given us great hope. I ask you to bless us with this word today. Me, the teacher, me, the giver, those receiving, make good soil out of us so that the seed can be sown and flourish. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You may be seated. Her name was Pagani, Countess of Stainline. She wanted to do more worship, apparently. Her name was Pagani, Countess of, of Stainline. She was elegant and graceful and rare. She was a treasure, no doubt, beyond measure. She was one of 17 remaining violoncello, violoncellos. It's actually a violoncello or a cello now known. Out of 60 ever made. The craftsman that made it, made it from hand. Built it together, pieced it together into a beautiful form. Something known as Form B. It's a style of cello that's coveted and sought after. And the craftsman, craftsman that, that built this cello is none other than Antonio Stradivari. If you know anything about Stradivarius instruments, they are sought after over the world. They're, they're searched for, and even if they're in poor condition, they will be restored because of the name Stradivari that's put on the instrument. A gentleman by the name of Bell was his last name. He was a great composer. He was also a great violinist. He stood in a subway. Maybe you remember the story, and he played a Stradivari um, violin and he played like two or three or four pieces where he just he just simply played while passerbys were in travelers and people that were in transition going to and from work one morning were just walking by him they didn't know as he had a cup setting out there for tips that he was anyone of note but the next day he was scheduled at Carnegie Hall where the going rate was over a hundred dollars a ticket and he just stood in the subway and played a 2.1 million dollar violin while people walked by, while other people that were homeless sat next to him and listened to the beautiful music coming from the violin. The tone of a Stradivarius is so rare that you can pick it out of new. If you were to play a brand new instrument and then pull up a Stradivarius, the mellow and the beauty of the tone is actually able to be heard by the musical ear. You can tell the difference of the quality because it's made literally hundreds of years ago. And so the the particular item that I'm speaking about to you was a beautiful cello that a gentleman owned. His name 
was Bernard Greenhouse, and Bernard Greenhouse was a master at the cello. He searched all over Europe to find a Stradivarius cello, and he found it. And when he found it, there were things on the ends, cracks and things, and they completely dismantled it and put it back together to make it as new. And this cello was a love of his life. He played all over the world with this cello, and so he took it with him wherever he went. And whenever he got ready to to pass away, he wrote into his will that when he passed down this cello to his two daughters, that they could either keep it or they could sell it. But if they were going to sell it, it could not be put into just any museum. It couldn't just be heralded because there are two Stradivarius violins in in. Uh, Paris in a, in a museum. He didn't want it just to go into glass and forever be enshrined, like, look at this great instrument. He said, if you are going to sell it, because his two daughters did not play the cello at all, which is amazing to me, but, but they didn't play. If you're going to sell it because it's such a rare and priceless treasure, there's one stipulation. You have to sell it to somebody that will use it. You have to do what is required in the will. It cannot be a contract that's written. It doesn't matter the money amount. It doesn't matter how much they offer to give you. Millions is regardless of the value that someone places on the instrument. No matter what price tag they decide to pay you, they cannot buy the instrument unless they use it. The value always is sought after because of its name. The name Stradivarius being placed on it, it's, look, it's so rare. Obviously, people know that it carries weight and value. And so we understand that these instruments go for a lot. And so when the family decided that, you know what, we shouldn't keep something so amazing just in our own little home. They had it set in the corner in its case. They would get it out to remember dad, but nobody knew how to play it. So no one could make beautiful music from it. Sometimes they would invite people, very rarely, that would play it for them so that they can remember or they would get it out and they would set it, get their chairs in circles and literally set the violin there and then play records of their father who traveled the world playing so that they could remember him and remember the music that he created. An instrument like this would sell for $15 million, literally. But they were beginning, beginning to have financial struggle as all of us can somehow have ups and downs in life. They came up on some financial struggle and they didn't know what to do because they felt like they they. they weren't really serving their father well by keeping this thing kept at their home when they could sell it and it could still bless somebody. The music that they loved could go on in somebody's talent and be used. And so they began the worldwide search for someone who could purchase this beautiful cello. And they went all over the world. They had it on display. They had a they had to figure out a price tag. In order to find a price tag for something that valuable, they had to fly it to Germany and have it scanned and x-rayed through a special scanning device that looked through the entire inside of the cello because it wasn't just the beauty that's on the outside. It mattered what was on the inside of the cello. And they looked for cracks and they looked for stress marks because life causes stress, amen? Everything affects us in ways we don't even understand. We can look at the outside of something and think, what a 
beautiful piece of art and a beautiful instrument, but they wanted to know, is there something on the inside that affects the value of the thing that we are appreciating on the outside? And I want to digress, if I could, a little bit and leave the secular and step into the spiritual and tell you that Bernard Greenhouse found this thing because he knew it was a priceless possession. But Jesus once stepped on the globe and reversed the curse of sin to make us a priceless possession. Amen. In order to give us this inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ, he had to die. And he was willing to do that. We hear him praying and counseling after his own will in the garden as Jesus Christ, saying, if this cup could pass from me, let it pass. And he was asking, if there's another way, I want to take it. But the will of the eternal spirit that was within inside him propelled him to his purpose, which was the cross. I can't tell you what it's like to live without purpose. It is the most dry and desolate land you could ever live in. It is the most miserable existence you could ever find as mankind. But if you ever find your purpose in life, if you ever find your calling from God, there is nothing like a purposeful inheritance that you walk in where you know God has given you something to do in life. You're not here punching in, punching out, taking in nourishment and just living your days. You have a reason to be here. Jesus died for your purpose. And he died to make you a priceless possession. When it's intact, we understand that they found a price tag finally of $6,900,000 as a starting bid on this cello. And they put it out across the world and The family was in financial distress. They felt horrible that they had to sell it. But they also felt good that somehow this would end up in a place where it could be played. Either the New York Symphony or someplace very famous. It was going to be used again to encourage and inspire people through the infinite music, power of music. And so in 2011 or 2012, they found a buyer And they had to go through such a long process in the buying process because they had to check out who it was. It took them almost a year to figure out whether the cello was was going to be worth as much because the buyer then wanted to do their own testing on the instrument. Talk about a a lot of work to buy a cello, people. This is a musical instrument. How much more does God love us? How much more priceless are we to Him? Amen? Think about the fact that he died for you. I mean, you and I, if, if, it was just, if it was just us, Mike, if it was just you and me, Roland, he would have died for us. You know what I'm saying? He would have given his life. That's precious to me because Jesus' salvation is for anyone. He would have given everything for one. That, that takes care of so much for me. You never have to have a moment of lack of value. You never have to worry about God caring because he did that for you. So, yes, the government gets involved. They realize if they sold it for $6 million, it would be somewhere in that range that the government would take right around 35%. So they would only receive $3.9 million from that sale. It's funny how someone always wants to get involved when there's money involved. I don't care about that particular point. I really want you to know that, that whenever you see something precious, you're willing to pay a high price. So... Buyer went through all the process, 
and the bid came back. No, the starting bid was six million nine hundred dollars. They came back and they offered more than double for the instrument. It was a billionaire in another country, and they said, "Do you realize that that there's a stipulation on this cell? You have to use the instrument." And she said, "Yes, the instrument's going to be used." And they looked up a gentleman who's a private um, celloist who is also in a orchestra. And they said, we want to purchase this piece, but we want you to play it in the orchestra. And they honored the name of the owner because he had this beautiful cello restored. And his name is forever next to the name of Stradivarius because of the fact that he found a priceless possession and he bought it. Our name is interesting that we have names. I, I have my family crest with me today. Um, this is my family seal. It doesn't really matter because all of us are really royalty in Jesus Christ. Amen? But when we were in the day, way back in the day, we, we could throw down. You know, we had, we, we, owned, we owned little towns and bergs and little places overseas. I, you know, we, we were duchesses and duchess or whatever they call that. And this is the crest. This is the seal. This reminded me of your shirt, bro. <laughs> I was thinking about it last week. This, that's how this illustration got here. It's because my, my friend here, he was wearing a shirt with a crust on it last week. And uh, so this thing is very precious. This is the only thing that I inherited from my grandparents. Um, except for a silverware set. I'll have to revise that. I did get a silverware set. Everybody say, woo! Well, that was awesome, yeah. <laughs> a whole silverware set. Thanks, Grandma and Grandpa. Love you. This, you know what, I haven't used this since I got them. This is, I think, the first time I've actually put water in this cup. Because it's an inheritance piece. I, I keep it away. I don't, even I don't even know if some of you have seen this. I don't really show this that much. But God was like, what's the point? I was talking, you know, praying with God. Me and him were having a conversation. I hope I wasn't counseling after my own will. Uh, I think he was talking to me. And God said, what's the point? of me giving you an inheritance you never use? What's the point of you having those beautiful glasses, these beautiful goblets in the counter with your family crest on them and you never get them out and use them? Why would I give you something that you just won't use? And so I'm asking you today, do you see how the enemy would want to take away what's valuable to you? Do you see how the enemy would want you to settle for not using your inheritance at all? The, the great things that you have in God, do you know that we have found, we're found priceless? I, I, these things are priceless to me. I don't know if it has any value to you or not. I put water in it so that I could drink it while I was doing the illustration. I was trying to be ahead of the game, but I forgot to take a drink earlier. Do you know who is found worthy of shed blood? You are. Do you know who is found worthy divine intervention in our world coming down and saving us yeah you are I, as i as i get after this I, I i could not find in the scriptures any way to look at it any different except for that i have a dad that cares about me i have a father who's come after his kids right yeah. and when i was his you know when i was a kid did you ever have this where you you had other friends that were around you and they're like well my daddy's tougher than your daddy have you ever had that situation and, and I've had situations where I was like, no, no, no. Because my dad was a brown belt. At least he told me he was a brown belt. 
And so one time I was standing there, and I literally like was from here to the front of there, and he was standing there, and I'm like, you're a brown belt? He goes, yeah. And all of a sudden, his foot was right there. And I was like, okay, maybe you are a brown belt. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I could kick you <laughs> like that. And I was like, wow, um, you're still really flexible too, by the way. And so after that point, I was like, my dad can beat up your dad. We need to get that spirit about God, okay? If you mess with his kids, you're messing with the wrong father, okay? Because he's immortal, he's immutable. The Bible says he's the only wise God. So all the other dads are not so wise. <laughs> all the other things are not really that smart. He's unconquerable, and he, he gives gifts that are, that are immeasurable. He has power that's unmeasurable, and I love him for that, and he loves me with an everlasting love. How many know his love is powerful? That's my father. I was born into royalty. Amen? Because I was born into the kingdom. I am an heir to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is enough to shout. That's enough to be celebratory. Because that alone makes me want to say, hey, you should see who my dad is. You should see what he can do. He's powerful. He's awesome. And because he is my father, that changes everything. Amen? Romans eight seventeen. And if children, and if children, then heirs... Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified. The word says in Ephesians 1 and 11 that I read to you, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. So that we who are the first to hope, how many know that sometimes you were the first to have hope in your family? Come on, somebody. And everybody else looked at you and said, yeah, but you know where you came from. You know where you've been. And you're like, no, no, but I have something beating on the inside of me. There's something greater in me. There's a bigger hope in me than where I have been or who I've been with or how I have gotten here. There's a hope in Christ in my life. And it's going to be a praise to his glory at one point because anything you hope in him will not be uh, destroyed. Anytime you put your faith in God, it has to work. And and so I want you to know that, that there's some muscle memory when it comes to faith amen that that faith is like a muscle the more you use it the stronger it gets but also it has muscle memory whenever whenever I address a golf ball I know that I haven't played since last year but me and Nate we get to play sometimes but I know that whenever I start to swing my body and my muscles you know what I'm talking about with a tennis racket bro because my friend here is a tennis player I don't mean to point you out but you're right here so I'm gonna you know interact with you it's my friend and we just talk okay we're just talking but you know, whenever you haven't played for a while, but you start to, that first hit, you know, the feeling comes back because your, your body has muscle memory. So whenever I go to address the golf ball, I know when I bring it back, my body's going to function a certain way and I'm going to come back and I'm going to hit that ball the same way because I know how my muscle memory responds. My brain goes, yes, that's exactly the way you did it last time. You know what? If you learn how to have hope in God and you get your faith involved in that hope, you get a spiritual muscle memory that whenever something pops up or whenever there's a tragedy or there's a, a struggle in your life, if you've had any moment where you had to use hope and you had to put faith and believe, you know what? I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I believe because I've used my faith before and I have some spiritual muscle memory that says, I'm going to connect. I'm going to do this right. And God's going to accomplish the work because I'm investing my faith. James, James tells us, don't expect 
that you will get anything from God if you have faith to believe and then you sever that with doubt. Everything you pray for and everything you ask God for has a rope of faith connected to it. And whenever you send it out, you send it out away from yourself and that rope eventually gets tight and it pulls you into what you've been praying for. But if you send it out and then you're waiting, you're in the process, you're in the trial of the struggle of waiting for what you prayed for, waiting for you to catch up to what you've already prayed for, if that rope is still getting tighter and you haven't made the connection yet and God hasn't answered that prayer yet and you haven't experienced what you've been praying for and believing for, if you go, well, I don't know if it'll happen. You just sent a prayer into infinity with no string attached to it. So if you have any understanding uh, with me of, of what a prayer does, when you begin to pray for something, just let God have your faith and let God have that hope that it's going to work out for you. It's going to come to pass and you will have and see what you should inherit from the faith that you invest. So yes, I, I'm... I'm excited about who God is and the guarantee of our inheritance. So the power of the Holy Spirit encourages our faith because we can pray in the Spirit that encourages us to hang on to things that we've prayed for. See what I'm saying? The process is we have something that comes up. We send prayers out. We have to keep believing, and that's a process of the Holy Ghost helping us to say, I don't know why it's taking this long. I don't know why I haven't paid that credit card off yet. I don't know why I have this or that to deal with, but I'm going to believe that there is a godly inheritance. There's a good inheritance coming to me where I'm going to be able to stand and say, you know, had it not been for me putting my hope in the Lord, had it not been for me putting my faith in his promises and his divine assurances, I would not be able to say this thing was accomplished. I think I told you our story. When we first got married, we made a lot of financial mistakes, and we were $50,000 in debt by the time I got out of college, and someone had paid for my college. But in order for us to keep up with what, how things looked, we had bought a house. We had obviously, we had done some things that, that, um, that you know, we could just make it, but some months we couldn't make it. And so we were like believing God for some things and, and asking God and just trusting God. And we didn't know how it was going to... And it came to a point where we were, literally felt like it was a boa constrictor in heat. We just like were squeezed beyond compare. And some of us have been through Dave Ramsey, and I'm thankful for that. Praise God for that, that we understand now where, where we need to be with, with financial things. But, but even though it, we made mistakes, God was still faithful he still brought to our lives blessings. Even though we were the ones that made the mistakes, I said, God, if you want us to go to Virginia, you're going to have to sell this house, and I don't want to put a sign in the front yard. I, I, I don't want to sell this place. I love this place. I enjoy it. I had an acre and a half. I had a riding lawnmower. Yeah, that's right, Josiah. I had myself a riding lawnmower cup holder. I was like, I was like throwing back my Coke, riding, you know, and checking out, and I had, an, I had a pond. I had a barn. I mean, I had everything. I could go up in my barn, and I could shoot my bow in my barn in the middle of the winter, and I had 35, I had enough yards to sight it in. I don't remember what it was. Sorry, it's been a while ago. 
But I, I had everything that a guy would want. I had the man cave. I had, a, I had a wood furnace in my garage so I could go in my garage and I could start my dirt bike and, nee, 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 and rev it up so I could smell the exhaust in the middle of winter because I love the smell of two-cycle exhaust. I know I'm crazy. I'm a little bit insane. Pray for me. I'm trying, and I could get my stove going, and if I wanted to just get out of the house because everything was driving me crazy, I could go out there and stoke the wood fire, and I could just chill out in the, in the barn and be a man. I had all my tools around me. I had my lawnmowers, and I had all my stuff. And God's like, no, I want you to go to Virginia. And I'm like, but my stuff, but my stuff. He's like, is that really your stuff, or is it my stuff? Because I could do this, and you could be in a wheelchair drooling on yourself in a stroke. Everything you got, every breath you take is because God is awesome and gave it to you. And we have an inheritance, a precious inheritance. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, you've got to help me. You, if you want us to go to Virginia, you've got to sell this house. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're God, I trust you. And I put faith out there. And within the week, I can't remember exactly, but within the week, a guy walked down our drive. No, it was two days later. It was two days later. Guy w walked down our drive. He's like, man, this is a nice place. You ever think about selling it? I almost fell over. I was like, yeah, I'll make an offer. <laughs> it's good. We bought the place for $126,000. And when we met the owners, they were like, we would have given it to you for less if we had known you, but we just didn't. And I, and I felt like, oh, man, we missed it. And we're so we're sitting here crushed by credit card debt in a home we can barely afford but loving it having all the stuff that we love and needing to go where God's calling us to go and he provides somebody that walks down our drive he's like I'll put together an offer I'll see you in a week and I'm like oh, God's awesome he's so awesome we never put a sign in the front yard he offered us two hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars we not only paid to move out there and to move back, we paid off every bit of debt we had. It was our mistake. Our mistakes. He took care of it because he's a great God. His inheritance is for you. He is powerful and he is mighty and he will do great things. And so because of that, everything, every breath I have is his. Every moment. And if that's not good enough, I said, Lord, take me on to heaven if that's not good. But if it's good enough, then give us revival in this church. Give us power in our lives. Give us the inheritance that you've designed for us. Because I want it. I desire it. I want to see people full of God's spirit. I want to see people walking in the miraculous. And, and I have friends. I, I have one friend right now who had a miracle when he was younger. He was born with a deformed lung. And when they brought him and they anointed with oil and they prayed at an altar and they went and they did x-rays, he had a brand new lung, bigger than the other lung. Literally, the lung wasn't there in the x-rays before. And they prayed for him. I know this guy. He's my friend. He's a walking 
miracle, but he's walked away from God. While he's a walking miracle, he doesn't live with the miracle worker. And that is a tragedy to me. So if God is willing to do something for somebody who he knows maybe one day will come back to him, how much more is he willing to do for us who get up every morning and say, God, this is your day. Work in me. I give you my life. I give you my all. I am yours. Please use my life. Make provision for me. So when I go to work, I work for him. Amen? Game changer. Changes everything when you live your life like that. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily or work hard as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that you're knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. As your reward, you are serving the Lord God or the Lord Christ. I'm reading from another translation. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of, of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. Amen. Your work is important. Now, all of us have jobs, but you know what? You're not serving your boss while you're serving your boss. Amen. For any moms here, you're not serving your children while you're serving your children. You are, but you're not. You're serving God through that. So when you get up and they're driving you crazy, or when you're trying to put them to bed and you have to tell them for the, the 100th time to brush their teeth, <laughs> uh, am I the only one that deals with Yeah, okay, I'm a little bit older. Oh, well. And you're, you're getting them up and, and, and you're trying to get their clothes ready for church because it's a fight to get to church on Sunday morning. Okay, we'll be real up here. Anybody real back there? It's a fight to get to church on Sunday you're not just serving them while you're trying to get them to the house of God to teach them how to serve Him. You're serving God through it. And if you'll understand that, that every test you take in school, the students here, that is serving God through that. If you learn that everything you do for somebody else, we pulled up to somebody standing on the side of the road. I didn't know them from Adam. Uh, she was just standing there. Would you help me with a sign? How could I drive by that? I gave Josiah just as much as I gave her because that's what was in my wallet. But you know what? Whenever I handed it to her, she was so thankful. She goes, thank you. God bless you. Made her day. There's people that abuse it, I know. But I felt like it didn't matter because I wasn't giving her money to give her money. Although I was, I gave it to Jesus Christ when I handed it to her. And whenever you give in the offering, whenever you give of your life, you give it to God. I know we track it here, and you get a statement at the end of the year. I know that. I don't, I, I, trust me, I'm careful. But whenever you, you give something to God, you have to understand it's the law of sowing and reaping. And whatever you put in, God has to respond. Amen? Amen. So your service, your work, everything you do. Now, you know, those that have jobs... You, it's done unto the Lord. Is that good? Is that good for you today? Am I talking to somebody? How many have had a work situation this week and you're like, I think I want to just move on? Uh, some of us have had that. Did you know that you have the ability to stick longer than other people because the Holy Spirit is working in you? It's more important what's in you, amen? Because there's this little song that I used to sing as a kid, Jesus on the inside, 
working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. We used to sing that as a kid, and we have to learn how to believe it as adults. We just need to realize that whenever God works within us, He has to affect what's outside of us. He has to. So if you're working or doing, if you're responsible for something, you're responsible for somebody, know that that responsibility is unto the Lord. And if you look at it that way, you will do a good job. You will get good reports. You will get good reviews. Amen? So amen. I, I think I'm wrapping down. Let me find what I wanted to finish with. Proverbs tells us that we shouldn't go after hasty inheritance. Proverbs 20 verse 21. An inheritance gained hastily is the beginning. In the beginning will not be blessed in the end. In other words, if you don't wait on the Lord to bring it, it will not be blessed in the end. But if God brings it to you, come on somebody, if God brings it to you, nobody can take it away.